Good morning and welcome to the morning chat on 97.7 FM, 97.3 FM, 1450 AM, WAOV Vincennes. I'm Ed Ballinger, your host and our first guest this morning, Vincennes Police Chief uh, John Hillenbrand. Good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. All right. Let's uh, just talk a little bit about the holidays. Uh, I'm sure everybody had a great holiday. As far as mischief and, you know, everything was, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm sure you had your, your share of pullovers or whatever, but. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, unfortunately it's, it's business as usual at the police department, even with the uh, holiday season, uh, our officers are out there making, uh, doing extra patrols, making sure that, uh, people are safe. People are doing what they should be. Um, we had uh, quite a few traffic stops, uh, about 200 traffic stops throughout the month of uh, December. And uh, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, we also had to uh, catch several individuals that uh, weren't minding their P's and Q's and misbehaving. So uh, we ended up with about 25 adult arrests and, and uh, nine juvenile arrests for, for the month. And then for the end of the the entire year, we're a little over ten thousand calls of service for the year, and uh, a little under eight hundred for the month of December. So, okay, uh, this time of year, uh, of course, we know alcohol is prevalent. I mean, you have parties. I mean, that's that's just the way it is. Yes. Okay. I think, and and for the most part, most people are pretty good. They are I mean, absolutely. I mean, but but you have those ones who push the limit. Yep. And they get caught. And, uh, you know, usually it's one of those situations where, uh, you know, they didn't prepare and they decided to drive after consuming uh, too much alcohol. And uh, once once they're uh, out on the streets and in a vehicle, then uh, if if they are located by police, then it is an automatic go to jail. Mm hmm. Yep. I mean, there's, there's no discussing. There's no, no discussion. Absolutely <laughs> not. If, if you were over 0.08 in Indiana and, uh, you are identified as someone that, uh, they believe is under the influence of drugs and or alcohol. And that also goes for prescription medication because we all know you can't drive under prescription medication. Doctors tell you that it's on, uh, you know, whoa, 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 whoa! This is a an interesting topic. Yeah, all right. Okay, I I take prescription drugs. Sure. Okay. It says be careful when yep. operating, but it doesn't say I can't drive. Well, so different drugs uh, call for different things. Okay. So um, you know the opioids that are out there, oh, okay. things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't you can't be driving a vehicle on that. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ed that. Uh, you're not taking uh, any type of medication that uh, no. would, would cause you to uh, be intoxicated and not in full function of your body. So you're, you're good to go. Well, you know, and I'm going to bring up a personal item, and I, and I think that people who, who understand will understand this. You know, I'm, a, I'm one who has a, a defibrillator. Sure. If, if, I, if my defibrillator goes off, I'm 30 days off the uh, driving. I mean, right. we can't drive for 30 days. Yeah. If you have 
an, an unfortunate incident like that. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't know about the drugs, though. I mean, that's really that that's a to me a whole new topic that's sure. never really been talked about. I mean, we're talking about prescription drugs from a doctor. Correct. Okay. Yes. And doctors will definitely let you know when they prescribe a uh, medication that you shouldn't be driving. Uh-huh. Then they will definitely let you know. And typically, when you pick it up from the pharmacy, the pharmacist will also say. Don't drive while you're on this medication. <laughs> and then there are those who mix it with alcohol, which and, makes it even worse. Yes, yes. So uh, never a good idea to mix alcohol and medication, certainly. Okay, well, good good stuff. I, you know, uh, Do we have a lot of, uh, during the holidays, do we have a lot of break-ins? We didn't. We, uh, we did very well this year for the city. Um, we did not have um the usual amount of car break-ins uh or uh home burglaries so it was it was a good month yeah yeah you know and i'm I'm sure first of all that's a lot of calls that you guys did this year (laughs) it is it absolutely is that's a lot of calls the people aren't aware of that that that's quite a few yes but it's kind of nice to have a pretty big staff right now it is. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we're starting the new year off, right? Uh, we have a hiring process that's currently going on because we actually have two positions open on the road. And then we're also looking to fill, uh, seven new positions in the schools next school year. So we're gearing up for, uh, we have a hiring process that is about halfway through at this point, have some really good candidates. So we'll see how that outcome uh, works, and hopefully we'll uh, be able to get those officers uh, hired, trained, and ready to go by next school year. Sounds wonderful. It is. It is. It is an exciting time for sure. Good. Good. All right. So anyway, that is uh, kind of wrapping up the holidays. I mean, you know, you know, we were lucky about weather. Yes. My goodness. Uh, yeah. You know, we got our snow three or four days later than we wanted, but it wasn't really just that one morning. It just snowed. Yes. And it was funny because I was going up to Indianapolis that day. And once we got into Sullivan County, it was gone. Oh, no <laughs> well, kidding. I mean, wow. it was, it, we were, it was so funny. We we're leaving like, oh my gosh, should we go? Farther north, we went on 31. By the time we got to the northern part of Sullivan County, just outside Farmersburg and going into Vigo County, there's nothing. Wow. You talk about being in a pocket. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, obviously we had a little more than a dusting, and it, it did cause uh, a few minor accidents uh, in the city, as usually that first snowfall always does. But nothing excessive, no uh, no large amount of wrecks, no uh, fatalities or anything like that. So certainly fortunate for that. Okay. Anyway, that's good. As far as uh, we, we've gotten through that part, temperature's in the 40s for the week. So I don't think we're going to be. Yeah, I think they're calling maybe uh, next this coming weekend, maybe uh, a mixture of different things, overnight hours. Yeah, or but. but- you know, we're so far out from that. Yeah. I, I don't know if they ever really know that far out, but, uh, you know, and that's, you know, it's great going into a new year because you look what's on the horizon and you mentioned the hiring process. Yes. Is it conceivable chief 
that by this time next year, when we're sitting in this same studio, you will be full staff. Is it conceivable knowing that you'll probably have some retirements down the line here, but is it conceivable you could be full staff? With everything that the mayor and city council have done in 2023, and looking at the amount of applicants that we had in this current process, I do believe that it is conceivable to be sitting here next year, full staff, officers in every school, and uh, yeah, that would be an exciting time. I, I, I would really look forward to that. Now, see, I wasn't even going to bring up the officers in the school. I was going to give Oh, you, yeah, I was gonna no, give, no. I was officers on the street, no problem at all. But okay. I think that uh, it is conceivable to even have the officers in the schools this time next year. Well, you stole my thunder for the second segment there. Because <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just about officers on the road. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, in fact... Yesterday, um, we had two officers go up to the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy in Plainfield. They'll be up there for the next 16 weeks. And then we have another officer that has uh, a little over half of that already completed, and he will join them about 11 weeks into this academy class. And the next academy class will send our fourth officer that is in the field training program right now to that class as well and then hopefully if we're able to hire a few more officers in this applicant process we'll send them to that next ilea academy wow that's a lot that's <laughs> busy a lot. time had 16 weeks riding yeah. out like that that's four months they're up yep. there okay yep. they get weekends off or <laughs> they do they do get weekends off so they go up there essentially monday through friday come home on the weekends and then when they're back here, they have uh, about another, depending, 16 to 18 weeks of training here at the department to figure out how we do things at the police department and make sure that they're geared up and ready to go. All right, let's take a break. We'll have more of the chief after this at WAOV. Back on the morning chat with Ed Ballinger and Vincent's police chief, John Hillenbrand. Well, we were talking about Next year at this time, being full staff, I'm at on the road, you know, road officers and whatever. But uh, then there was a case where we got a big grant last year. And uh, I can say last year because it was last year. Right? <laughs> That's so weird. It, <laughs> it, just, it was just a, a couple months ago. Absolutely. Okay. When do we start this process of getting these additional uh, officers in the schools? I mean, they got to be trained. Yes. Okay. Now, most of them already have the basic training, correct? So it, we have to, we will have some officers that will want to go ahead and transfer from being a road officer and want to work in the schools. So they're already trained up and ready to go with the exception of we'll send them to a school resource officers. Uh, it's a, a one week class over the summer to prepare them to get into the schools. But then, of course, if we're taking them off the road, we have to hire and train new officers to take their place. 
So that's where we are into. We don't just hire a school resource officer. We're hiring Vincent's police officers, and some will go on the road, and there might be a couple of new officers that end up in the schools depending on uh, how many we have that want to transfer into the schools that are already on the road. So we have to get them hired. That process takes about three and a half months. Then we have to send them to the six-week uh, police academy. Then they're looking at an additional 17, 18 weeks of field training. And then they also, if they're going into the schools, will do a week of specialized school resource training. And then they would be able to go into the schools. So if this gets started like in the next month or so, could they be in the schools by next fall? That is our expectation at this point. But, but that's, uh, can I be honest, that's really a very aggressive. It is, absolutely. I mean, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I, I mean, I love it. Yes. But I mean, but that is an aggressive goal. It is. It is an aggressive goal. And uh, with our merit board that we have that does a very nice job of streamlining the hiring process, uh, my assistant chief, Mark Hensley, with uh, leading all of the training and our FTOs. Uh, we, we, we have been hiring and training since I became chief two and a half years ago quite frequently. So we have it down to a fine art. So we know exactly where we are, where we need to be in order to get those officers trained and ready to go. Um, we may end up being a few weeks or month out, but our expectation is we would like to have the schools filled or mostly filled by the start of next school year, as well as with that school safety grant, have those safety features in place like the protective film and things like that done and in place by next school year. Now, the... Uh have you already hired officers for this, or are you in the process of hiring? So we're in the process of okay, hiring. Okay. Now, if somebody out there who's retired and all of a sudden said, you know what? I think I could do that. I think I could do that. I've already been to the academy. I've already done my training. I still have to be trained, though, on this, correct? Being a resource officer. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. So, that, so it will require some training up from that aspect. Yes, absolutely. Okay, all right. I'm not, I don't have anybody in mind. I'm, sure. just, I'm just trying to think of scenarios on who might be interested. There, there, there might be those, you know, ones who are on the road right now who said, I've all, I enjoy kids. You know, I wouldn't mind doing that. Yes. And it gives a opportunity for officers that have been in a certain place for several years, an opportunity to get a new refreshed start in a new position and give them that enthusiasm that maybe they've lost a little bit of that because they're, they've been stagnant and in the same position, doing the same things over and over for several years. And it gives them an opportunity to be in a new environment and still providing safety and security to our, uh, to our community, but just now more targeted with the school corporation. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. So that's a, that's a plan. It, it, it is. It's, it's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot of resources to get it up and going. 
but that's why you have a grant <laughs> that's that's exactly right and that's why we went after the grant and uh, we were fortunate to be one of four uh, departments in the state of indiana to receive it and how, so, how long is the grant for chief uh, it is for four years now my understanding is that bcsc said we're gonna keep doing this i mean once we start absolutely we, we're, we can't look back that is correct okay uh, unfortunately in the day and age that we're in now it is a necessity to have a school resource school resource officer in every building. So we are going to certainly step up and uh, help provide that safety and security. All right, sounds good. Yeah, uh, sounds really good. All right, all right, uh, man, I'm out of questions. So uh -huh. let me just add that okay. we do have one uh, change at the police department coming into this year. We are closing down the lobby. Uh, drink certain hours. So the lobby to the Vincennes Police Department, just like a lot of other places, is open from 8 to 4, Monday through Friday, closed overnight and on holidays and weekends. That is not saying that the police department is closed itself. Unfortunately, there was a big misconception out there that if you ran into the police department that the police department was manned 24 hours a day with a police officer and that's just not correct okay all of our officers are out on the road um answering calls out looking for uh, suspicious activity so in order to better protect our property and our dispatchers we are closing down the lobby hours and uh, only having it serviceable between 8 and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. That way you can come in there, you can get VIN checks, you can get your golf carts inspected, you can apply for the housing permit, background checks, get copies of reports, accident reports, and things like that. And if for some reason you can't make it between 8 and 4 Monday through Friday, you simply just have to send an email to Kevin Jacobs, who is our records clerk, and he will be happy to make copies and send it to you. You can't beat it. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm just, I'm just saying it just needs to, it, I can understand why you do it. Yes. Okay. All right. So how, how are things over at the uh, police station? I mean, as far as, I know we were going through those, uh, you know, new windows, new everything. I mean, Structure-wise, all right? Yes, everything is uh, going very well, knock on wood, because we are in an old building, and there are some projects in 2024 that uh, we're still needing to get taken care of as far as building repairs, but all of our windows are done, and of course, the majority of that was paid with a grant, and um, we've upgraded painting and flooring and uh, some computers, tables, and chairs, the next thing we're going to be looking for is drainage off the roof. Unfortunately, uh, the pipes haven't been replaced since the building was originally built, and they are starting to fail. So this year, we will be looking at uh, bringing in a company to replace the pipes so that we have uh, no leaks coming through our roof. Okay, I do want to switch gears. One more topic to talk about. People probably have heard it's it's going now, Washington Avenue. It's We're starting it. it. It's off and running. Absolutely. Patience. 
Patience. Don't patience. drive through there. Don't drive through there. Don't try and sneak by. Go around. Take 6th Street. Take an alternate route. Uh, we will have officers out there doing extra patrol. And if you are caught going through there, if you're not going to uh, the golf course or Kelso's or you're not a resident or going to a residence, there where uh, past the blockade, you will be ticketed. Because this is it. We've, we've warned you. And the only thing was that's different is that we've gone from early April to early January. That's exactly right. And then we're, we're going to get it done. It's going to be great when it's complete. It's going to be a pain. I yes. Mean, I mean, I'm going to be honest. It's not going to be easy. Nope. Second Street wasn't easy. Nope. Main Street wasn't easy. You know, we've been through this before. We have, but fortunate or unfortunate, it's just part of the process, and it has to be done because they can't complete the work if people are out there driving. All right. We'll talk more next month because we'll probably have more reports on it. So. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. It will be a hot topic for the next several months. All right. Chief, always a pleasure seeing you. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you and so we'll much. we'll see you next month. Sounds great. All right. Stay tuned more of the morning chat coming up on WAOV. Welcome back to the morning chat on WAOV 97.7 FM, 97.3 FM, 1450 AM, WAOV in Vincennes. Our next guest from Goodsburton Hospital, Chief Operating Officer Adam Thacker on the line. Good morning. Morning, Ed, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. And it uh, was a great year last year at Goodsburton Hospital, but uh, we were talking before we uh, went on. Uh, a lot of great things on the horizon. Yeah, it's it's exciting times. Uh, healthcare certainly is full of its challenges, but uh, with each of those challenges comes opportunity. Uh, continue to a advance the the services that we provide here and, and be a uh, um, support to the community. Creating a, a healthier community is really the end goal, and and we're doing that. Uh, you know, really leveraging technology, uh, being able to support our world-class workforce and, and how they do the work that they do and um, a lot of a lot of exciting things in 2024 that we're looking forward to well we said that uh, 2023 would be if we said it was a classic rebound year from the pandemic would you agree to that i, I think that's a very accurate description we we really saw uh you know a return to to normal and and you know some have classified it as kind of the new normal um, but things things started to feel um, like we were were getting back into a groove of delivering care in, in the way that we expected to, and and the the silver lining of rebounding from COVID is that technology has exploded in healthcare, and the the workforce, the way that we work differently, has really um, become innovative, and and that creates uh, excitement. Well, right now, we of course, we still have our challenges. Uh, COVID's still out there, not like it was, but it's still out there. We're facing uh, influenza. We're facing a lot of other respiratory illnesses. But that's what you expect, though, isn't it? It is. Uh, you know, we're seeing that seasonality, and I think that's one of the things that's led to uh, the, the common discussion of returning to normal is that, you know, spring felt more like spring, summer more like summer, and flu and cold season as we enter the, the winter 
months feels more like flu and cold season and uh, and COVID as well. But we're seeing that in in very controllable, manageable um, states rather than feeling like it's a it's an overwhelming uphill battle. Is there any restrictions right now at the hospital? Um, no restrictions as far as masking or refraining from coming to the hospital. Uh, we continue to have the, the cautionary information out there as far as asking all patients and visitors to really monitor their own symptoms. And if they have COVID flu-like symptoms, um, as, as simple as a cough and, and runny nose, certainly fever, um, shortness of breath, any of those things to refrain from coming in for routine care, um, contact their provider. Certainly we have community care in the emergency department if somebody is truly, you know, in, in distress and, and needs care. But no no masking restrictions um, of that nature. You know, I, I'm just amazed that the pandemic was awful, was terrible. But what came out of that was technology really soared to the top didn't it now we're doing so many different things virtually you know and i think that you know i found out when we had rachel on here virtual nursing i mean really i mean that's things that we're learning now that we're able to do maybe was a a direct result of the pandemic it it has been uh you know many many of the the virtual services virtual care services were were in development or there was a, at least the discussion, but that innovation was promoted uh, decades forward uh, through through the pandemic and, and virtual nursing uh, to support our workforce that is boots on the ground has been a, a great addition to be able to provide care to patients needing inpatient stay. Uh, we also have virtual physician services. Um, our our inpatient neurologists, our inpatient infectious disease specialists come to Good Samaritan every day via uh, virtual services and are able to, to see patients. Um, we have outpatient services where we can do video visits um, and, and those virtual services and the, the technology just continues to expand. And one of the things I'm really excited about in 2024 and and the public and our communities will start to hear more about um, very soon, is we, we just invested in DaVinci Robotics, um, which it is, it is here on site, and we will start doing robotic-assisted surgery in the OBGYN, urology, and general surgery service lines um, in, in late January moving forward. And, and that's, that's a huge advancement in, in technology, um, it's an opportunity for patients to have care delivered close to home, which is, is one of our mottos, delivering care close to home, um, and, and to be able to expand the services that we provide. Okay, could you go into a little more detail on that? I'm going to be honest, that's well above my pay grade <laughs> when we're talking about this. Sure. Uh, the, the Da Vinci robot is, uh, by intuitive medical, um, Da Vinci robotic assisted surgery so our surgeons are performing the surgery with assistance of uh, robotic intelligence Um, we've been doing this for a number of years in the orthopedic space with uh, mako robotic surgery assisted and now we're moving that into general surgery so our general surgeons will be utilizing this technology as well as obgyn um, for things such as like a hysterectomy 
and then for uh, urology, urology procedures as well um, will be robotic assisted. Obviously, the, the surgeon involved in discussion with the patient will determine what surgery is most appropriate, and the care for the patient is always the top priority. But what's, what this technology has proven at many organizations um, is that patients recover quicker, so, you know, return to normal activity quicker, healed quicker, and that's really what we're looking at is it's, it's leveraging technology and innovation to support our tremendous care team to provide even, even better care. I got you. All right. Wow. That's exciting. That's, that's really, really exciting. Uh, what made you guys decide to go this direction? Is this just something you, you, you've been aware of and you've just monitored for a while, or, or is there a reasoning behind it? Uh, it, it's really twofold, and, and and we have we've been monitoring and looking at it for uh, the the technology has been available for a number of years, but it's continued to advance, and we felt like the timing was right for two reasons. One allows us to continue to grow from a service delivery standpoint and really provide the care to patients in a world class fashion, as is our is our mission. Um, and also the recruitment of highly skilled surgeons has become imperative that we have this type of technology. The surgeons that are training today and coming out into the workforce are training on this technology. And so the ability to continue to bring in new surgeons and deliver new services to our patients really hinges on having, having the surgeon at the core of that and we would not be able to recruit the, the current generation and certainly next generations of physicians without this type of technology at Good Samaritan. Gotcha. All right. It just sounds like um, you're, you're on the right path, but there's other things in 2024, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, certainly a focus on workforce. Uh, we, we continue to look at our workforce ac- across the, the spectrum and we're, we're, again, kind of back to a, a, a leveraging of technology. We're looking at where remote and hybrid workforces make sense um, and, and being able to put those in a place because we're, we've seen that really change um, post-COVID era as well as that ability to, you know, work from home, work remote, have a hybrid where some days you're coming on site, some days you're not. So uh, a workforce development plan, which, which includes highly competitive wages. Um, we, we've approved a, a budget that continues to show growth in Good Samaritan, and one of those includes uh, you know, being highly competitive in salary and wage as well as our benefits package. So our approved budget for 2024 includes increases for our current workforce as far as well as being aggressive and going out and recruiting talent um, really from a nationwide standpoint. Okay. All right. What is the uh, biggest attraction for a potential doctor to come to Good Samaritan Hospital right now, would you say? Well, I, I think the, the opportunity to work at, a, at an organization that is the, the leading employer in the community, 
the top provider of choice in the region. Um, Good Samaritan is the provider of choice uh, across the 10-county region. And the physicians that, that come here have the opportunity to build relationships with their patients and have long-standing careers that, that they really can grow and develop um, the practice as, as they want to practice medicine. Uh, we talk about technology and we talk about the changes in the building and infrastructure and you know, people get really engaged by hearing robotics and the different tools that we buy. But at the end of the day, for our physicians and our providers, you know, they want to have that connection with the patient and they want to be able to take care of patients to the best of their ability. That's that's why they got into um, the the practice of medicine that they did. And so at Good Samaritan, we really embrace that. You know, one of one of my responsibilities as chief operating officer in recruiting providers is to make sure that they live in that bubble of taking care of patients and we remove the barriers that get in the way of doing that, whether that's regulatory red tape or whether that's, um, you know, the financial aspects or, or different things. Our, our focus is in that, that provider-patient relationship is, is really paramount in the decisions that we make. And, and that's something that we have found in recruitment that we've been very successful in our ability to recruit because we embrace that. Sure. You your guys are up for challenges, aren't you? Yes. But healthcare is not short on challenges. <laughs> you know, and, and, and to that point, something new in 2024 is, is we created our first strategic plan for advancing health equity. Um, so health equity is identifying within our community opportunities to improve food insecurity, as well as access to medications, access to health care, transportation to health care, which seems like a, a relatively simple thing, but so much of health care is not being able to be delivered because transportation means are, are not readily available. So we've partnered with the YMCA and Van Gogh in being able to extend their hours, and we cover much cost on a financial sliding scale for any of our patients that need transportation uh, through Van Gogh. And along with that, also providing virtual services to where our care can be delivered to the patient without any transportation. But that health, health equity is a big focus of 2024. And how do we make sure that while we're building world-class healthcare here at Good Samaritan, that patients have the ability to access it? You know, we got all these... Um robotics and all these other wonderful tools and uh, programs. But when it really gets down to it, it it's all about preventive, ma uh, preventive medicine, isn't it? I mean, we, we still got to get people to give colon get colonoscopies. You know, we still have to have people take care of themselves. So we can't lose that basics either, can we? No, uh, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. It, we, we get very, um, into talking about the, the the cool new technology or the the big type of surgery that maybe happens a few times in a year, but something that happens every day ongoing is primary care, preventative services, uh, really uh, creating a healthier community, and that's something that we're focusing on as well. On that side is getting out to our community and really a focus on having a primary care provider preventative maintenance, understanding what the screening recommendations are based off of age and, 
you know, hereditary risk and all and all of those factors that our primary care team can help to walk through, because creating a healthier community is we're we're not only here for when the emergencies and the acute things happen, but we're also here for the everyday seeking your care when you feel okay, and that really defines a healthier community is when our patients are seeking wellness preventative care even though they feel okay instead of just seeking out things when they don't feel well right right uh also one of the best tools that we have and it amazes me now i i know a lot of people that have it but i also know some that don't is my chart i really 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 would like to see more people get my chart in 2024 because i tell you to me it's <laughs> it's one of my top apps that it, it, it's a tremendous resource. Um, I utilize my chart as a patient, as well as a, a father, as well as a, a son, and looking at my parents' information that I'm able to help them in navigating their care. Uh, my chart is such a valuable tool to see anything from lab results to schedule appointments to reach out to your provider and ask a question. Um, and, and it is an area that we're continuing to add services to, um, being able to pay bills, manage so many aspects. Um, it's, it's really a great tool. In 2023, 57% of our patients have a MyChart account active. In 2024, our goal is to eclipse 65%. I think you can do it. <laughs> we got mouths like me talking about it all the time, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's to me, it, why wouldn't you have it? Why would you not have it? You know yeah, what I mean? And that's my message. It, it, it's app based, which we all have our you know phones with our apps now and, or it's computer based either, either way it's easy, it's free and it allows you to be active in your care. There, there really is no reason not to have it. Adam, how's the, uh, it seems like it's going great, but the agreement with the city and with the ambulance service, it, it seems like everybody's winning on this. Yeah, it, it's been tremendous effort on on more people than I can name because I would leave somebody out, but it is, it, it's, it's a great service and, and we're proud to be um, running the, the EMS service for, for the city and county, uh, continue to receive very very positive feedback and accolades. Um, certainly, Tim Benningfield is the director has been tremendous in, in his leadership, and, uh, and I don't think we would be where we are today without him. Um, and, and it's something that really goes back to that, that core mission of delivering care close to home, delivering excellent care, and, and it starts with being able to respond out in the field when emergencies happen or when patients are in our facility and need to get to another facility and making those transportation runs to, to other referral facilities. It's, it's, a, it's been, um, as I mentioned, a, a tremendous amount of work and a very strong partnership between the, the county, the city, Good Samaritan, but it, it has come together, I think, better than anyone could have imagined. Okay, uh, two more questions before we wrap it up. Number one, what is the goal for Good Samaritan Hospital this year? Continue to serve as the provider of choice and the employer of choice. Uh, we we want to be that resource that the community, when they need have healthcare needs, that Good Samaritan is the the first name and and really the only name that they need to come to. 
And then to do that, we have to be the employer of choice. We have to have the talented individuals that come to work every day um, uh, to be able to deliver that level of service. And, and that's that's the goal. And that's very broad, but um, all the other things we talked about really fit into being the provider of choice and the employer of choice. And what is, the, if, if I can say you'd have one physician come to town, a type of doctor, what would you need? What would be the most one you would go after? Well, well, I don't know that I could pick one because <laughs> we are constantly recruiting. Um, but OBGYN for maternal women's health and urology are two specialties that they're, they're our top two recruitment needs right now. And, and, and we have some uh, activity in, in recruiting for those areas, but they are also two of the most difficult recruits in the entire country. Um, so those those are those are the two that if I could have a, a New Year's wish that you could grant uh, a urologist and an OBGYN physician would would be at the top of my list. Oh, you're gonna get them. I, I figure you're gonna get them t- this year. You'll have them. So I'm just I got so much confidence in you guys. So I think you'll well, I you'll that. you'll do fine. So hey, I would appreciate your time today. It's good talking with you. I'm excited for another great year uh, at uh, Good Samaritan Hospital. Continue good luck and. Uh, the the the, whole, the best thing would be is I never see you at the hospital, but if I do, that be that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> if you get it by means. So anyway, I, uh, thank thank you for the time and uh, opportunity to talk, Ed. And I I hope you have a, a wonderful twenty twenty four. All right, thanks, Adam. We appreciate your time. Stay tuned. More of the morning chat coming up on WAOV. Welcome back to the morning chat with Ed Ballinger on WAOV. Mitch Wagner, our guest from Purdue Extension, talking 4-H this morning. And um, we just kind of got out of hand as far as time-wise, just talking about all the 4-H and many 4-H. Now let's talk about, I'm going to call it traditional 4-H or whatever. Yeah. What regular 4-H. Okay, what is that? Is that first grade on up? or So regular 4-H is third grade, third grade. Okay. through 12th grade. Okay, all right. And the idea is, you know, we've heard about these ten-year uh, 4-H memberships yep. and stuff. I, I love those. I love when people do that. And that's getting started early. Yes, you uh-huh. have to start when you're in third grade and you're continuing exhibiting something or being involved in 4-H all the way through. And there is some benefits for that. One is experience. One, you're able to try different things throughout the years as for project-wise, but also um, for those 10-year members, when they're coming in being a senior, they're able to apply for scholarships. And our scholarships for 4-H, they're due on January the 25th. And so they have to submit those through 4-H online, um, which is our enrollment system. So we have a couple different scholarships that we offer. One is a senior year scholarship. So that is for the current seniors. Um, As long as they're active in 4-H, they can apply for that. Um, there, that is seven questions that they answer, and they fill out a demographic page and they upload it and see if they're eligible. If they are, if they're eligible to receive any funds. Okay, all right. And, and then we also have the accomplished scholarship. So the accomplished scholarship is that thousand dollars we were talking about earlier, and so that one is open to soft, current sophomores, juniors, and seniors. So they are able to apply for those. And so that one is writing a resume and a cover letter and submitting it with that demographic page to submitting it to see if they get called back for an interview. And so we've actually had some sophomores and juniors win that $1,000 scholarship, and they hold that scholarship until they go to college. 
and then they pay it out to them when they go into college. Mm -hmm. And that one covers multiple different areas of project topic based wise, like animal science, uh, soil and water and livestock, okay. different things. All right, so it's, uh, um, you just got to apply yeah. more than anything. All right. By January the 25th. Oh, I knew there was a deadline. It's got to be a deadline. The 25th, yep. You got to be actively enrolled in 4-H online to approve, for we can approve those. Okay. What do you, th okay, before we go any farther, and I should have done this last segment, and I didn't, and I totally, totally apologize. You do not have to be a member of a farm family to be in 4-H. Let's no. get that. Let's get that out there. You do not have. You know, you could be in a, an apartment complex in Vincennes. Yes. And be in 4-H. Yeah. So right now we actually are. We have an after-school program at Raleigh Elementary um, with their daycare program right now. So we have a volunteer that goes in there and does 4-H programming with those kids during daycare, and those kids are really enjoying it. I'm hearing great success stories from those. The kids are looking forward to it. They are really happy, like, oh, it's 4-H day. And so they are really happy whenever a volunteer goes in there and does that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's exciting. It's 4-H day. Yes. Okay. So, but you, again, you do not have to be part of that. Okay. We just want everybody to understand that. All right. Projects. Now, this is what I think gets a little tricky is, oh, yes, you got to do a project. I mean, you got me in 4-H. You got to do a project, right? For the most part, it is. A, that's what a lot of traditional families think about is fair exhibition. But for each remove, we're trying to look at where we need to go in the future. And a lot of it is about what is that 4-H experience? What is your 4-H experience? And a lot of 4-Hers, past 4-Hers, it is that fair exhibition. Right, right. I never exhibit at the county fair. My 4-H experience was at 4-H camp. Oh, is, do you have 4-H camps? We do have 4-H camp. Our current camp is scheduled for, let me find the date, it is June 3rd and 4th, June 3rd through the 5th. Okay, where's it at? It is at the historic Santa Claus campground okay. down in Santa Claus. Okay. And so that is open for campers, grades 3 through 6th grade. And so we'll take a bus down there. The cost, we're still trying to figure out what the cost, but we're going to try to keep it under $100 for those three days um, with transportation provided. We are looking for counselors, and this is a good opportunity for those junior leaders age, those high school age, to gain that skill with mentoring, working with kids for grades three through, not three, nine through 12th grade. You know, the one thing that I, when I've talked with kids who have been in 4-H, they've all said about the same thing is, it has pushed them to go outside their limits where they normally would. Yeah. You know, you know, I've always been a shy person, but 4-H kind of brought me out of that, you know, and now I'm more social and able to, you know, talk. And yep. you mentioned the public speaking, which is really, really big. But also, I think people have also got a chance, you know, uh, when you talk about the 4-H projects, I, I love them all. I think they're all, they're so creative. But the, but photography and the artistry just blows me away. Yeah, and and I think people now, at that young age, are experiencing that kind of, you know, I yep. do have that talent. Yeah, and uh, photography is one of I think one of the easiest projects we have now, um, because it doesn't matter which level you're in. If it's beginner, intermediate, or advanced, you can take a salon print, mm -hmm. and so that's just one picture that you can take on your phone and have it matted, go to Hobby Lobby and have it matted. 
Um, and so you're able to exhibit it. It's just one simple picture. Wow. I know, like for me, I've been, I have, I am very blessed to be able to travel a little bit. Um, and so I have, so I do open class. So I submit some of my pictures to open class mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. photography. Wow. All right. Well, see, there you go. I mean, what is another benefit of 4-H, would you say? Um, I think it's the different topics that we offer. Um, and so one of the good opportunities that we're trying, the state is trying to build really is learning about our legislative government, especially at the st state house. So 4-H is going to have a 4-H state, 4-H day at the state house on February the 13th. So February 13th, it's going to be a 4-H day at the state legislature house in Indianapolis. And so this is open to any 4-Hers in grades 7 through 12th grade. Um, they just need to call me. Um, we like to know by the 9th next week so we can get you registered to go. Um, we do only, the, there's only 200 spots for the entire state for kids to be able to go. Um, depending on numbers, it will probably be a free trip um, with transportation provided, breakfast, lunch will be provided. If you want snacks, that may, you may have to bring money for snacks. <laughs> okay. But it's a great opportunity. You're able to dress professional dress, shirt, tie for the guys. Uh, we do try to schedule meetings with our state legislatures to meet with them, to learn about what topics are hot right now for they can be able to share their 4-H story with our elected officials. Okay, good, good. So that is, uh, that's really neat. I mean, just everything about 4-H is neat. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of just like, wow, things I didn't even know. There you go. Um, so 4-H has its benefits. 4-H has its benefits. How often do you meet? So some clubs, it varies between, between the clubs. Some of them are going to wait more for it gets warm, like especially like with Horse and Pony and our dog club, they'll wait a little bit longer. Um, some of our clubs are going to start meeting here very soon with the new year. Um, and most of them meet, try to meet at least once a month. That's a lot of their goals is trying to meet once a month. Okay. All right. So uh, what else about 4-H you want to talk about? So 4-H um, will be hosting a 4-H bowling party this year. We're trying to get like do more community activities for our club, for our members to bring them together, besides for just at the county fair. So we're going to be having a bowling party at VU, and that is scheduled for Tuesday, January 23rd. Um, it's going to be from 6.30 to 7.30, and it's open to 4-H members, and you can bring your friend. We do ask you to RSVP um, by calling our office. We just want to try to get a head count. Um, if you realize our, it, it's, it, we, our game got canceled and, oh, we're now available, you can still come. But we just want to try to get like, some type of a head count, just letting us know, hey, we're coming. Um, but if it, your plans change at the last minute, you're still welcome to come out for the bowling party. Okay. All right. So there you go. Come on out, bowl. Learn about 4-H. Yep. This is the push, right? Yep. All right. The push is on. Uh, if you have any questions about 4-H, how they get a hold of you? Uh, the best way is to give us a call at the extension office. Um, our phone number is 812-882-3509. Are you ready for a big push? Ready to get more? We're key? ready. All right, Mitch. Good seeing you. It's been good a while. Good seeing you. It has. Okay, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. All right. Stay tuned. Midday Edition is next on WAOV. Welcome back to the morning chat with Ed Ballinger on 
97.7 FM, 1450 AM, WAOV. Our next guest from Purdue Extension is Mitch Wagner, who basically, I'm going to call you Mr. 4-H. Is that all right? That is fine. Well, good morning. It's been a while. It has been a while. How you been? I'm, I'm, I've been fine. Thank you. I don't get that too often. You know, you turn the tables on me, Mitch. Ah, I like it. I good. like it. 2024, sounding good. All right. Well, we're glad you're here this morning, uh, representing uh, Purdue Extension, of course, and 4-H. Uh, Valerie's usually here. She's off today. So let's talk a little bit about what Valerie some of the things that she wants. Yeah, Valerie has two programs going on uh, in the coming month. And so one of those is a sprayer school. And so the sprayer school is going to be on Wednesday, January 31st. Um, it start. It is going to be an all-day program. It's going to start at 8.30 a.m. and go to 3.30 p.m. It's going to be at the Vincent's University Ag Center. That's that new building right there off the interstate. Um, you're, in, you're welcome to come join us um, to for educational event that, um, designed for farmers and commercial sprayers, applicators. It's going to be led by Extension Specialists and Agriculture Professionals. The program will cover... Uh, many different topics such as mixing uh, products, safety equipment, drift management, uh, machine and, and machine maintenance. And so we also have, have a good network luncheon and gain valuable insight into optimizing their practices and ensuring a successful farming season this coming year with their sprayers. Okay important yes it is important stuff that is very important yeah i think sprayers are really a key part of our agriculture industry with both spraying herbicides and a lot of other items on our produce and products okay all right what else and the next one she has um is an irrigation workshop and so that one is scheduled for january 18th also at the vincent's university ag center that one's going to be in room 102 uh, that one's going to be this one's going to be a morning um, session it's going to go from 9 a.m to noon topics uh, that's going to be talked about at that will be um, irrigation scheduling and effectiveness timing um, and effectiveness of fungicides application and chemization <laughs> water volume and other issues I'm sure it's important. I'm sure. <laughs> yep. And worker production standards. And so um, this is going, you're also going to be able to get um, credits applied for PARP and also mm -hmm. for um, certified crop advisor and commercial applicator. So this is also where you can get those credits. Um, you are asked to register for this program um, by calling the extension office um, by January the 9th. And our phone number is 812 882-3509 is how, where you can register to attend that workshop. Okay. She's busy. She is busy, especially during the winter with all the parks. Yeah, and this is really a, a big time. We've talked the last couple of months, January and February, getting these licenses ready, you know, because pretty soon <laughs> spring will be here. And, then, and after this weekend and right now, I'm ready for it. I enjoyed the snow this, this last weekend in West Virginia. Oh, you went to West Virginia? Yep. I went, home, I went home to visit family. So you had snow there? I did. Well, then you don't need to bring it here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you had your snow. Good. Now. No, but anyway, um, again, 
any questions, just call Purdue Extension and, yep. and, and you can get that information. All right. Anybody else you need to take care of before we hit your area? I don't think so. Okay. If there are, just go to the website, right? Yep, go to the website. We have some of our programs listed there. All right. Okay. Now, let's talk. Uh, Mitch, of course, we're talking 4-H. We got, yep. we, got, we got some time to talk 4-H this morning. Uh, first of all, before we get to your what you want to talk about, uh, the numbers have been about five, six hundred usually. Somewhere around there, is yeah. That, is that what you're pretty much at right now? Yeah, we bounce back and forth. It's like hard to really nail down a, a, a true number, but we're bouncing back and forth. You know, and I think either way, you know, even if you went below that, I'm still you're getting kids involved. Yeah. I mean, and that's what it's about. Of course, the more kids, the better. But, you know, sometimes you just don't have that luxury. Yeah. You can only sell and try to get a a person interested do you think right now that i and i know from a fact because i think i've told you this before how i've talked with people who've gone to college interviews how much 4-h has brought been brought up in conversations yeah you know, i mean do you think people understand what a big benefit that is just just from college i don't think a lot of people truly understand the impact that 4-h and some of these youth serving organizations can really have on these kids' lives and how we are able to change their lives, especially with the public speaking skills. Being able to get up in front of a room and be able to carry a conversation, being able to lead a meeting. Um, so many kids are nowadays, they're on their phones. Um, how many times I've heard people saying kids are lacking social skills. They're able, they're having, they're having conversations via text messages and pictures right. but whenever you're sitting down for that in-person interview being able to look somebody in the eye have a conversation shake their hand and being able to present yourself for that mm -hmm. business i think i think we're, we're mixing some of that but i think 4-h really helps bring those kids out of their shells but you know what i'm seeing adults do that right now too so mm -hmm. i mean i can't always blame it on the kids no. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've had guests on this show where you're standing in the far mic here, texting each other about what we're talking about. You know, <laughs> now I did find out that they were talking about what topics they need to really hit and they didn't want to interrupt me while I'm talking. And I understood that. that. That was fine. But I'm just saying that right now it's, it's something you see every day. Yeah. You know, I hear about kids in school buses who are sitting next to each other, not talking, they're texting. Yeah. It's a conversation. So I don't think that's going to work in a college interview when they ask you a question and you ask them, what's your number so I can text you back? It's not going to work. Yeah, and some of and we have scholarships opportunities with 4-H that Absolutely. kids are able to. And part of that scholarships, they're $1,000, and they are interview. You have to do a video presenting yourself, but then you have to answer questions. Right, right. Okay, now... Um, Let's talk a little bit about what what is going on um, with 4-H. I know uh, we're you've got the kids enrolled. That's done. We're right still now. working on it. We not yet. We still have one big push going. Oh, I thought by now you have them all in. No, we don't have them all in yet. No, no, oh. it's coming. Oh my. Mistake number one for 2024, Ed. I mean, that's, I apologize. I thought that's okay. I thought by the time the first year you try to have everything in, but no, our big push ends on, on January 15th is when we try to do our last big push 
for enrollment. Okay, let's talk about that then. What are you doing? So one thing we're going to be doing here in the next week is we're going to be taking packets to all the schools. Um, so that will be uh, kindergarten through fifth grade and sixth grade. Uh, we'll be receiving packets on how to enroll in 4-H. Um, and that packet will give instructions on how you're able to get onto our website and enroll in 4-H. Um, we do encourage them to not pay online. Um, if you pay online, it will cost you $25. But if you pay in the office, extension office, it's only going to cost you 10 And I think that's one thing we're trying to help um, save the, the kid 4-H for each family some money on that part of it. Okay, let's, uh, when you look at everything that 4-H offers, the first thing that I think some people out there listening is, what ages do we try to hit for 4-H? I mean, do we wanna start them young, but how young? So we start with 4-H with mini 4-H, and that is kindergarten through second grade. That young? Yeah, we start, it is non-competitive, um, for those kids. Is this, is, have this always been there? It's always been that Where way. Where have I been? Under a rock? <laughs> I didn't know about this. <laughs> yeah. So with 4-H, we do start mini 4-H. That is K kindergarten through second grade, and it's non-competitive. Um, so they are able to show some species, livestock, animals, but it's also they have a lot of building projects that they're able to complete. They're able to attend all the club meetings, just like a regular 4-H-er. Our regular 4-H age is third grade through 12th grade. And so any age of those can get into 4-H. Mini 4-H is free, so there's no cost for Mini 4-H. But for regular 4-H, it is that $10. Okay. I didn't know you went that young. Yep. I apologize. Now, do they do any kind of a project, though, for fair? Yes. So when you walk into the building, um, our many numbers are growing project-wise, so that is really good. Um, and so they are able to bring in the building projects. Then they're able to also do dog they're able to exhibit a dog a rabbit a poultry horse and pony or they can participate in a mentor showmanship from the other species okay as far as um when you uh, look at 4-h at that young age is it a prime just to get them ready to go into the upper levels now of 4-h as they get older progress or is it just this is what we do at 4-H and go with it? Or I'm just trying to say, what is the goal for many 4-H? I think a lot of it is trying to help the families understand. Families, kind of, families. Yeah, oh. help the families truly understand what 4-H is. And because it, it is complicated and I'll be honest, it really is, um, especially with the project guidelines and everything else. Um, but when you have a question, I think the biggest thing is call the extension office. That's why we're there. Um, and we're able to help you out, try to walk you through like what you need to do. And so I think that's one of the biggest things I think we're having right now is people not calling. They're just frustrated at home, like, ah, but call us, we'll help you out. And I think it's just trying to get those families familiar and used to, here's what you can do, here's what we can do, and try to give these other 4-Hers opportunities like, ooh, I can go there or go do this or exhibit mm -hmm. that. Okay. Because gotcha. we have trips that kids are able to go on. Gotcha. All right. So let's focus. Okay, we got to go to the break. <laughs> we're, okay. over, we're over a little bit. We'll, we'll talk more 4-H after this on the morning chat on WAOV.